Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 149. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with business owners all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought and business leaders create and enjoy success and to identify common strategies and techniques, as well as the mindset they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. If you're listening to this episode, my aim is for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life. But in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to achieve your goals. Now, on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope you are well, I hope you are safe, and you are having an amazing week. So what I wanted to do is, there's a couple of things before I interview my um, fantastic guest this week. The first is, is I'm trying to collect data about you. I'm trying to collect data about the listeners of the show. One of the reasons why is I'm always looking at trying to make the show even better. And you are really the the foundation of the show. You listen in every single week. You send me some um, amazing messages and stuff, but I'm wanting to collect some data. And what I'm up my ask really is for you to jump on the show notes, click on the survey link, and take a couple of minutes just to fill in the listener's survey. The idea is, is to assist me in making sure that I'm covering the relevant topics that you're looking for and getting the right guests on the show and really just to identify if there's anything else that you're looking for that um, I can possibly add if it fits in with the show. Um, that's really it and I just want to say a massive thanks in advance. Secondly, we recorded this with our um, guest Doug Morneau in um, probably around, I think it was around May, um, and we had some technical issues where at the end it very quickly abruptly cuts off. Now normally I would re-record it but the interview was great there was there was a really good energy flowing between us and i just think it would be a complete injustice not only to doug but also to you to not share the show as it is so um what we'll also do is is at the end of the show i will include how you can find more information about doug but um the law of power cuts kicked in and just literally disconnected us. So um, I do apologize for the quick, abrupt change at the end, um, just to forewarn you what was going on. So now let's talk about Doug Morneau. So Doug is an author, speaking marketing expert, media buyer, and host of the podcast, Real Marketing, real fast. Doug specializes in sponsored emails and his book, Three Big Lies, The Real Truth About Renting Email Lists to Generate Targeted Leads and Sales, became an international bestseller. Doug is passionate about helping his clients with marketing strategies as a media buyer, and he has helped his venture capital and investment banker clients raise in excess of $100 million in the USA. Welcome to the show, Doug. Hey Jeff, super happy to be here. Thanks. So Doug, before we dive into it, can you give us a little bit of a backstory of what's brought you to this point today, please? 
Uh, well, I tell people that uh, I'm a dad. I'm a granddad now. Um, I live with my wife and uh, we live out in the country. I've got a sales and marketing business I've run for years and years and years. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the CrossFit gym, lifting weights and doing stupid things. Um, yeah, and that's really about it. Now you know everything about me. Cool. Well, okay. That's possibly the quickest story ever in three years. I love it. <laughs> Keep it short, sharp and simple. Okay. So, you know, when you, so you've owned, you've, how long have you owned your own marketing company? Did you uh, 35 say? years. So for you, were you always interested in marketing or was it, was it something that, you know, you accidentally got into? What was your sort of driver into getting into that sort of industry? I guess that part was kind of accidental. I always wanted to have my own business. I grew up and my dad, you know, my dad worked for the city, worked in a labor job. My grandfather had businesses, multiple businesses. He'd retired when he was 35. That kind of lifestyle of getting, you know, new cars and things when you're, you know, 10, 12, 15, 16 is really important. Um, and so that's where I, that's what I gravitated to. So, you know, when I was in grade school, I was started reading the stock market pages and my grandfather said, Hey, if you read the pages, I'll, I'll give you some penny stocks some 15 cent stocks. If you follow them and that wet my appetite for, you know, uh, investing in, in stocks and bonds and all that sort of stuff. So I was a weird kid going through high school. And, um, when I, I graduated early, went into a trade, um, with the intention of owning and uh, running a manufacturing business went, man, I don't like these people. And so just totally changed careers. And so it's just been after a number of career changes, I found that it was the sales and marketing stuff that, that I really, really, uh, really enjoyed. And somehow I figured out how to make it work without a lot of experience and training. Okay. So, so obviously we're, we're in challenging times at the minute. We've got, you know, companies, uh, are crumbling. We've got people that are on furlough. And are you, are you, are you, uh, are companies in your neck of the woods in furlough as well, or at least not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were total lockdown, closed down. Some are starting to reopen. Um, you know, they're having all the issues that everybody else is having. Employees aren't wanting to come back because they're getting enough money from government assistance. So they're going to take a little bit longer off. So, you know, they're struggling with a number of things, you know, lack of sales and now lack of employees as well. Yeah. So, so if we can, what do you think are some of the, the biggest sort, if we look at the challenges is they're trying to reignite their, their marketing engine. They're trying to sort of drive people back to the website or to, to make a decision and those sort of stuff. And I'm sure there's also that panic marketing where it's just, I don't know, they, they possibly overdo it on the push rather than the actual nurturing kind of thing. What do you see of some of the um, better strategies of trying to generate sales after such a challenging time or during a challenging time like we are going through at the minute? Well, I think you need to back up just a little bit and think of, you know, think of it from your customer's point of view. So as marketers or business owners, we all, you, we have a, you know, an end goal in mind. I want to sell my widget. I want you to come into my restaurant, <clears throat> but you need to think about how does your customer want to communicate with you? Maybe the channels have changed. Maybe they weren't online. Now they're online. Maybe they're not used to getting text messages from you. Maybe that's how they want to. So, you know, if you become more customer focused, um, before you rush off and create all the latest strategies that you've heard on, you know, uh, you know, my podcast or listen to Gary Vee or something like that. Um, but then also look at your industry and, and ask the really hard question, is what I'm doing relevant now and will it be relevant in six months 
or a year? What if things don't change? What if we stay at this stage for a year? You know, is my business relevant? And so that's really a bigger question because if the answer is no, then you've got two choices. You need to radically change your business model or maybe you need to wind down what you're doing and change totally. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the questions I always get is um, about email marketing. And I love asking marketers this question. Um, now so you're making me things. nervous. Yeah, okay. Start shaking. <laughs> okay. Actually, is that the camera? Is that That's the camera. Um, <laughs> so the, the first real question is, is with all of the different marketing strategies there are now, I mean, you know, from podcasting to videos to all sorts of content stuff that we create, is email marketing still truly effective? And if it is, have the tactics changed in order to generate the information? Because I think sometimes is is people worry that they're doing it wrong, that, um, you know, we've almost looked at emails now like junk mail coming through the, letter bo- the, the, the letterbox. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that sort of that question? And hopefully you're not shaking now. No, I'm fine. <clears throat> um, well, I'd say... <laughs> You can ask me a lot tougher questions than that, so feel free. Line up some okay. little doozy. If you can, you can the knives knock me off. Yeah, that's right. Circle the wagons. Let's go. Um, so, I mean, really, I, I look at the data. So, it doesn't matter what I think. doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what are the customers, again, coming back to the customers think. And there's this, um, there's this overwhelming move to the latest, greatest tactic, and so I'll, I'll tell you why I think the answers to both your questions are yes and yes. Um, so, you know, I'm a guest on your podcast, which I really appreciate. And then we're gonna have a great conversation. However, how do I reach your audience if, if the episode is now gone? I can't push a button and go, hey, I really wanna reconnect uh, with all of Jeff's audience, <clears throat> you know, on Facebook. Um, if I show ads, then I get to see people. But again, I can't push that magic button and have the conversation. Email still is a personal a two-way dialogue where I can get to your inbox if I'm doing it right. So is it as effective as it once was? No, it's not. There's more competition. The, you know, uh, Google just this week made some changes in terms of how you have to readjust your email if you want to be able to show up in the inbox. So it's always changing. So it's, a, it's less effective than it was. But email and text messaging where you've got people's permission and you've got their data leaves the power of communication or the opportunity to talk to your customers in the hands of the business owner. All the other social media platforms uh, can go away tomorrow. Uh, Your accounts can get hacked. Um, You can be disallowed to advertise certain products or services. And those are changing. Again, they're evolving. They started just with CBD and then they moved into a whole bunch of other topics that you can't advertise on social. Um, Your Facebook accounts get shut down because you're over over promotional. Your supplement uh, ad gets shut down because you're making promises or the model that's in the ad offended somebody. Like I ran an ad for a health and wellness company at Facebook and I got shut down. I said, well, why? They said, well, the ad was offensive. I said, it's a middle-aged woman, same age as my wife. She's not skinny. She's not fat. She's average. She's wearing like knee-length shorts and a golf shirt. Like what about all the women that are practically nude on Facebook and that's okay? Um, How is that offensive? But, you know, they don't argue. They shut it off. So answer your question. That was a long answer, making up for my short introduction. Uh, um, Yes, I think it's it's still effective. (laughs) 
Okay. Okay. And and f because so uh, so is there a specific tactic that works or a series of tactics that work to help the email marketer? Because there's a couple of things that often I I, I see, and I've certainly experienced this as well. Is is people forget that they've signed up, and then all for, all of a sudden is okay. Well, your your GDPR, thanks to the lovely people in Europe. Um, you know that this is this is going on, and it you know it's malicious, it's spam, or whatever it is. But is there specific ways that we can use that email marketing, or you know, is the title the most important part, and those sort of things, in order to generate those interest and continual relationships within the email marketing? Well, I think the key to that to your question was your answer said continual. So, you know, if, if I only talk to you once a year, you might forget my charming personality that we've already met. Never, never. No. Okay. But if you talk to me once a week, I'm not likely to forget you. So the number one mistake that most marketers make is they don't send a welcome email or a welcome sequence. So when somebody signs up on your website, says, hey, I'm at Jeff's site, I want to sign up, what they're expecting is that when they go to their email immediately after signing up, that there's going to be a welcome message from you saying, hey, welcome to my show. And so most people don't do that. So 75% of the people expect it and, and most marketers don't do it. So there's an easy win. Send a welcome message. Um, a bigger win is send a welcome series. So I send a series of three emails when you sign up for my list. And so that really is to get you used to seeing me and then look at your frequency. So I, I have an email list like most people do, or if you don't have one, if you're listening now, the best time to start one was it a year ago, but the second best time is today. Um, start your list and, and then communicate with the people. They signed up for a reason. So deliver on your promise. So I mail once a week to my list. So I mail on Tuesdays and then I, I send a follow-up four days later if you didn't open the email that I sent you on Tuesday morning, you're going to get an email that says forward and it's going to have the date when I originally sent it. You're going to get the same copy. And what I found is I, I get no more unsubscribes. Like it doesn't, people go, oh, people unsubscribe. And I'll say BS. doesn't happen. I look at my metrics every single day. But what I do see is I get a whole bunch more people open. On Thursdays, I send out a list of a podcast that I was on. So when your episode's produced, I'll send it out to my list saying, hey, I was interviewed by this great guy, Jeff, click here and listen. And guess what happens? Four days later, if you didn't open it, you're getting a reminder. So in essence, I'm, I'm, I'm mailing my list twice a week. And some people mail every day. So those are the two, those are the two things that you can listen to this podcast episode and, and go fix right away and, and have a win. Um, the other thing is that when you're growing your list and people open, the, the open message or the welcome message is the number one most uh, opened email you'll ever send your list. So in terms of being relevant in the eyes of Google and all the email gods, they look at engagement now as a determining factor of whether or not you're relevant and put you in the promotion folder, spam folder, or inbox. So because your inbox is the most open, what's the best thing you can do? Have more... Um, welcome messages. So grow your list, send a welcome message. The last thing is my secret sauce and my um, claim to fame, if you will, in terms of email has been partnering with brands that have very large email databases. So I partner with brands that have your audience on their list. And then I'd say, hey, this is what Jeff does and this is Jeff's business. We'd like you to, to put an ad and send it to all the people who subscribe to the Washington Post.
And if they approve that, they give us a rate. We produce the HTML, we send it out. So the Washington Post in that example is introducing you to their subscribers. It's their list, it's their contacts, it's their server, their people are expecting to get email from them. So that's really been our secret sauce of kind of flying under the radar and being able to rapidly scale uh, sales and marketing. Okay, so with there's two th- two things that um, kind of like clawed my attention is number one metrics is you say you check your metrics you know every day all the time how how for you and and I kind of like know this answer because I've bulged up on it um, how important is free do you feel that's a technical term and not even in marketing um, <laughs> I know I was just trying to I was trying to look that one up make a note of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, how many, how important really is the metrics? Well, it applies to anything in marketing. So I say, if you can't measure it, don't spend money on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to, if you don't want to measure your marketing, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my wiring information, just send me money and I'll happily take your money and spend it all the time. No, you need to measure everything. So if you're, if you're on social, do the same thing. Like how many followers do you have today? How many followers do you have a month from now? How many people retweet you? How many people comment? How many people, you know, share your stuff and figure out what, what the important metrics are. So you can see, am I making a difference? Is it moving the sales dial? And then I go back and look at analytics. So I sent an email out to my list of, of probably a week or 10 days ago. And I said, so what's the most effective social media platform? Said, is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? Is it TikTok? Is it YouTube? What is it? And then I made sure I put the answer at the bottom. And the answer was, look at your analytics. For me, it's Twitter. And people go, Twitter's dead. It's for old people. Okay, well, I guess I have a bunch of old people on my Twitter following. But it sends the most highly engaged, most time on site user versus all the other social media platforms. So I've got about the same number of users on Twitter and LinkedIn. I got about 18,000 on Twitter, I probably got about 23,000 on LinkedIn. I get better quality. LinkedIn's number two. So again, know your numbers. Where are you going to spend your money? I like that. I got told that advice from my son yesterday, in fact. He's saying, like, Twitter's for old people. I went, I'm only 45, for Christ's sake. I'm not that old. But yeah, I know. So, and this is the thing is, so you will, is the open, is the open rate the most important one to, to look at or is there different um, statistics that you would want to look at, analytics, sorry, that you would want to look at? Or do you have, would you say the open rate compared to how many you're sending out or bounce or whatever? Because there's all sorts of weird language you marketers use. Yeah, I know. That's weird, but not the, what was yours, the balls up? Yeah, exactly. Not, yeah, That's a new one. So I'll, I'll <laughs> use right, it. I don't you. know what I mean, so I'm going to use it. Um, <laughs> So, you know, um, first of all, you can go to the internet and you can do a search and you can, you can type in um, open rates for my industry and you'll find a number of sources that'll tell you the types, the, you know, the, the broad stroke industries and give you an idea what the averages are. <clears throat> so that'll give you a baseline of, you know, how other people are doing. But to answer your question, you know, every piece of that um, metric that you'll look at has a purpose. So the, the, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you know, you're using a good email sender and you've kept your reputation clean and you've followed the rules so you get it delivered. So it doesn't get delivered, it doesn't matter. Then your subject line, the goal of the subject line has one goal. Your goal of the subject line is not to get people to give you their credit card. The goal of your subject line is to get the person to open the email. 
And then when they open the email, the goal of the content is to what? To get them to sign up, get a credit card, go to a landing page. So you really need to look at each of those metrics. Um, so it's not, you know, obviously, you know, if you're not getting delivered, that doesn't matter how good your copy is. So I had a conversation with a marketer earlier today and he's, um, they own a marketing company. I said, you know, now that we're off air, I want to tell you that all your emails going to my spam folder. He says, yeah, Google made a change a couple of days ago. I said, yeah, I know. I've already been dealing with, with my clients. Um, <laughs> but I thought you should know as a marketing company that you're not yeah. inboxing. Yeah. So, okay. So, so the final two questions is number one is there are so many email platforms out there to do. There's some of them that, um, you know, they might, I don't know what the technical term is, but you know, you've got, let's say your MailChimps and then you've got other ones that use the Gmail as the, as the sender. Sender. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, which one is best? Because I know that, well, at least to my knowledge, is um, Gmail has a restriction on how many it can send out per day, mm-hmm. but then the other ones don't necessarily. And then the caveat to that is, is, is it better to have a text-only email or is it better to have the, uh, this looks like a magazine stroke web page? Which one is better? Or is it, again, does that depend on the target, I guess? <laughs> Well, I would say, I would say test it. So I use HTML email, but it, but it looks like text. So I only have one image in my email and it's my logo and my logo is appropriately placed at the very bottom of the email. So for those of you marketers who are putting your logo at the top, who cares? I signed up to your list. Like I know who you are. I don't need to see your brand right away. So you want me to read the email Tell me in the first paragraph, the first half inch of that email, why I should read it. Seeing your logo is not going to do it for me. So that's my style. Uh, Again, I'd say test it. The other thing to consider is that if you put too many images and too much formatting, you know, the world's moved to mobile. And, you know, when I was doing the research for my email marketing book, one of the things that shocked me was that um, people on mobile, if your message doesn't format properly, the way they're punishing us, is they're reporting it as spam. Now, I wish they knew how much that affected my deliverability and they stopped doing that, but they don't care. So I would say, you know, keep it, keep it simple. Um, think of your brand, think of what you're trying to do. Like, obviously, if you have an e-commerce store, you know, a description of what the dress looks like isn't going to cut it. I get that. But if you're selling B2B, you know, if you don't need to have a picture, like there's nothing wrong with using images, but just some common sense. And again, um, again, test it. Yeah. And I think as well as some people, they don't, they don't also grasp the size of the emails that sometimes they create. Yeah. Size matters. Yeah. I got one. Yeah. So I've been told, Um, (laughs) but but I got, I got one the other day and it literally crashed my whole system because it was such a big photo. Yeah. It was me doing that. Um, it, was, uh, it was such a big photo coming through. It was, the system just kind of went, you must be nuts. Yeah, so people don't wait. They just close it. Yeah. And so to answer your question of the platform, it depends on a bunch of things. So this is one of those, hey, it depends. You know, what's the size of your list? So if you've got a small list, you don't need to have a robust server. Like I've got clients that have larger lists that are like six, seven, eight hundred thousand 800,000 names. MailChimp's not going to cut it for us. I need a really robust service that will deliver. Like when we're doing these email uh, blasts with brands, these servers will send a million pieces an hour. So if you have a hundred people on your list, that's the clearly the wrong platform for you. What I would suggest is <clears throat> look for a platform that um, 
that, that ties in several different communications. So look for a platform that may, that has email and SMS and push all built in because you know the, the consumer gets to decide how they communicate with our brand and the challenge of buying MailChimp and then bolting on SMS. I'm not picking on MailChimp. I have lots of people who use MailChimp and then bolting on push is you get all these pieces of technology that are different companies and you're trying to bolt them all together and integrate them. And um, while you might get that to work, what you're not going to get, you're not going to get a global view of your customer. So you're not going to know, hey, my customer, this customer over here, I noticed doesn't open up emails, but they like my text messages or they click on my push notifications. So, you know, if you have a view of the data, then you can treat people the way that they want to be treated and communicate with them how they want to be communicated with. And it shouldn't be a surprise that it'll be more effective. So look for platforms that, that have all this integration as part of their offering. Brilliant. Okay. Okay. So just before we go to the second part of the show, um, if you were to give one word of wisdom in your experience of being the, the marketer, your superpower, in fact, you mentioned, um, what would that be? One word? I can't do it. One and word. I'm yeah. talking about, and I, well, not in just one word. Sorry. I meant one, um, one tip that you could do. It'd be amazing if you could do it in one word. I would be really impressed. I was just going to say whiskey, but... <laughs> My one tip. Got, if, if you said it in one word, I've got my credit card ready. <laughs> well, whiskey, that's the tip. Single, single malt, that's two words. Um, I'm dyslexic. Uh, I can do it in one word. That's um, one word of advice. Uh, test. Test everything. Right? I mean, because we, we can sit all day long and try to figure out what works, what I think, what you think. And at the end of the day, your customer is going to tell you. So don't believe anyone who says this is the way because, you know, just don't believe them. There is not one way. But I think it, yeah, and I think it's that thing, isn't it? Because when you come in, you know, it doesn't matter what stage you are, if, you know, if, especially at this present moment in time, you've got so many people telling you that this strategy is the way to do it and you shouldn't be doing this and content marketing is king and, and everything else. And I think, you know, and you've got really influential people, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuks, you know, those sort of people and they just, as you say, is they don't necessarily sit there and go, what? They sometimes go, no, I don't feel comfortable, but actually you've got to think about what's the best way to get in front of the bod who's going to give you the money. Um, and I think that, but with all of the fear, it's, and they don't get, I don't think they give themselves enough time to see it work. You know, those you know, they send the email, well, no, I didn't get the open rate. Well, okay, it's not necessarily the platform that's the problem or the modality. It's the the fact that you've only sent one email in the last three months and you're wondering why people don't aren't responding. So it's 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 a there's loads of little challenges, isn't there? Or you send a message every single day. Like I get these messages. I'm not gonna name the marketers because most people know who they are. They send me messages they send me messages every day and, and basically the end of every email is by my shit. Every email, like they, there's, they're the only way that they'll add value to your life is you pull your credit card. So, you know, that's okay a few times, but if you send, that's all you send to me is advertising, I'm going to unsubscribe. So add value to people's life. I mean, if they, they like, know, and trust you and you show that you can help them. Like one of the markers I like is Frank Kern. And what, and what Frank says is why don't you, why don't you help your audience with your advertising to show them that you can actually make a difference. 
like what a, what a unique concept we're marketers let's let's give them a give our audience something they can take away and use and execute right away now he asks you for money but he also offers you value yep yeah and i think that's i think that's really key as well because i know you know i mean i've been doing this for a couple of years now and it's you have people who will do the same strategy whether it's written on an email or on the screen or on a microphone or whatever and quite often well in reality none of them have ever hit the air because it's 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 been like an infomercial and there's been you know very very um uh, low quality of content to share and help the, my audience grow. And it's all been, as you said, just buy my shit and that's, that's it. And oh, why is that not working? Yeah. I mean, I have guests on my pod. Yeah. I have guests on my podcast that are that way too. It's like they're reading a script. It's like, well, that, that doesn't sound like fun. Um, and every answer is, well, it's in my book. Well, that isn't like fun either. You know, don't come on my podcast, just run a Google ad, say buy my book. Hey guys, so just before we jump over to the second part of the show, I've got a great opportunity for you. I've been working hard on an online program designed to assist you in building a strong personal success plan and developing those goal achieving superpowers. More than ever, I've seen the importance of honing these skills and maximizing your energy and efforts in a focused direction. So I'm looking for 20 people who would like to join me on the pilot program of Success IQ Catalyst. It's free, what we'll do is, We'll basically work through the program and I will coach you while you give me feedback on the program. And it's designed to help you get clarity, focus, and a plan that assists you in living that exceptional life. If you're interested, just visit www.jeffnicholson.co.uk forward stroke catalyst pilot or the information is on the show notes. Take care. Have an amazing day. Now let's get back on with the show. Brilliant. Okay, so let's go to the second part of the show where I'm going to ask you a set of questions that I ask every guest. So the first question is, uh, on average, how much time roughly do you dedicate to self-development? That could be body, mind, or soul, or all three. Probably six or seven hours a week. Okay. Do you have a favorite modality that you choose, audiobook reading or... Yeah, my favorite one really is the gym, seriously. You know, because I do Olympic lifting, when you're lifting heavy weight over your head, the only thing you can think about is make sure that, you're, that your form is proper or you're going to drop the weight on your head. So for me, it helps my creativity. Yeah, it helps my creativity. I find when I, when I don't think about work, that's when I find the answers for work. So it, it gives me, you know, three days a week I go train. Um, the other thing I do is spend quiet time just sitting by the river with a notepad, like a piece of paper, because like your son said, I'm old, and a pen, and, and just thinking, yeah, just thinking about, um, you know, what I'm doing, what, what's working, what's not working for my clients, and just have some quiet time. I love that. I love that. Okay, question number two. What book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? And it doesn't have to be a personal development book. Um, the Quantum Leap Strategy by uh, Dr. Price Pritchett. Ooh. What's that, what's that about? Um, well, it's about a quantum leap. Um, it's a book you can read over. <laughs> sorry. You can read over a cup, of, a cup of tea um, and, a, and a scone. Or scone. Yeah. Um, scone. Uh, but it, it basically says that imagine all the barriers are imaginary or what if all the barriers were imaginary? And I think as business owners and entrepreneurs that we think too small, 
we look around and we think, well, that's not common sense. My accountant says if I grow 5% a year as kids, well, why not grow 1,000% this year? Well, that's unrealistic. That's not common sense. And I say, well, do you know what common sense is? Look at who's running your country. That's what common sense got you. Are you happy with who's running your country? No, then don't do common sense. Pretend the barriers are imaginary. And I'm not talking about being stupid, but just just think outside the box uh, and stretch your brain. Maybe there's a totally different way you, you could do your business that would 10X your business next year. Mm. I, li- I like that because I think it's so true. I think when you start off, there's so many people listening to other people and many of those people may have reasons why they're saying that either they don't want to see you succeed or they haven't been able to do it themselves or you know all sorts of different things and and it doesn't matter you know i mean i i i can't remember where i saw and um, i'm sure it was um richard branson said that it was only i mean he said recently but i don't know what that means that his accountant after he'd made huge amounts of money had to explain net and gross to him and it's like, holy crap, really? But you know, you're sitting there and you go, wow, okay. And and I think, and I think that, and I love that because I think is is we need, you know, what is it? Shoot for the stars and you may hit the moon or whatever. It might be vice versa. But it, but it's that it's that thing is don't don't be stupid with what you think. You know, if you haven't started anything, you're not gonna you're not gonna be a gazillionaire in six months. But there's well, and focus, you know, where you focus is, is what you're, what's, you know, where you're going to move. Like I remember once in my office um, years ago, probably 10 years ago, um, my financial grows out of the office and our bank statements came in. So I opened the bank statement and I realized that in my one bank in my U S account, I had a million dollars and I went, crap, that's a really bad strategy. I didn't know we had that much money in the bank. I better move that out and invest it. And, but I had not thought about it. So I had really no idea that the company had that much retained earnings. So it was the same as the Richard Branson story. Should I have known that? Yeah, I probably should have known that. Wasn't paying attention. I was paying attention to my team, my customers, growing the business. And I was just doing what I thought I needed to do. I need to keep hustling, growing the business. And that's what I did. And guess what happened? The money came in. Um, but a lot of people spend time opening every bank statement, reading everything, and never talk to a customer, wonder why they're not making money. No, uh, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, question number three. What app makes the biggest impact to your personal life, to your business or personal life? What app? Um, Slack. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So do, do you use it with your team or your customers or do you, do, do you just, um, both and I'm on multiple teams. And the other thing I, I use it for, so a quick hack I use it for, I used to use Evernote used to be my, my go-to, but I found Evernote's too, takes too long to load. So now I set up my own Slack channel that is hashtag read later and hashtag read later technology. And so whether I'm on my desktop or my mobile, I see an article I like, I just go share to Slack channel. And then when I'm sitting at my desktop, I can look at it. So that's my. I like that. I like that. I'm trying to get used to Slack because it's, it's, I think I've done it wrong because it's like information overload. It's like listening to the British BBC world service. It's just like that. So I'm trying to manage it a bit better, but I, I do like that. I do like how, because I think we rely on emails the wrong way. So using Slack's pulling some of that conversation aside and it's more relevant as well. Okay, so question number four, what's your biggest business mistake that turned out to be a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? I didn't change out my team soon enough. 
Okay. Okay. And and for, can you go into that a little bit, a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. My business was growing. So I said, I had hit the seven figures. Um, and I went to my accountant and I said, Hey, I'm going to have a really big year next year. I think I'm going to like two X my business. <laughs> so accountant, right? He's going to like, yeah, sure. And so the next year rolls around and he goes, Holy crap, you have a big tax problem. I said, I told you a year ago, I was going to two X my business. And so then I thought, okay, lesson learned, right? And then we had the big downfall with the U.S. economy. The world economy crashed in 2008, 2009. And I said, you know, I, I think I'm going to like 5X my business. And he ignored me. And we busted $16 million in sales. And he went, you got a huge tax problem. And so my lesson learned was that, you know, while he was a great accountant when I was doing like six figures and he was a good accountant when I was doing seven figures, he was the wrong guy when I started doing eight figures. And there's not, I'm saying that for the whole team because you're, and it might be some of your staff, not all your staff are going to be able to grow with you or not all of your agencies or people. And that's not a bad thing. You can encourage them, train them, but at some of them you're going to need to change. So it takes a different mindset and a different skill set and different advisors sitting at the table with you as your business grows. And I, and I, I clearly just wanted to keep everybody that helped me get to where I was at that point. And I, I needed to make some hard decisions and I didn't. Um, and so what it cost me was a lot of money. Yeah. And I've, I've heard a few companies talk about when they've, when they've had to expand to that type of thing that, that they've had the people that have gone, Oh, it's not a family anymore to know we're a business. And it's, it's not that you can't have that sort of culture straight through, but it's, it's, as you say, is, is your team can either develop or it has to be swapped out to, because at the end of the day, that's it's, it's nothing personal. It's just business. Yeah, I mean, treat them well, love on them, pay them well. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. So I, I now say I help set people free to find a better opportunity. So if they're not a fit or we've outgrown what they're doing and they don't want to change, then the best thing I can do is help them find something that's in their their you know their wheelhouse and move along. I like that. I like that. Okay. Question number five, what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? <laughs> Depends on the day. I like that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I don't think that we can balance our life. Like the idea of work life balance. I think it's, you know, sometimes you're like a pogo stick. You're just on one, one of the wheels in the spoke. And so for me, I needed to, and it was less about me and more about the people around me to understand that the, the way that they grow the company is sometimes you need to work uh, when other people are resting. So I think of, we had the Olympics here and when we had bought a suite for the Olympics to watch the hockey game, cause we're crazy Canadians. We like hockey. And somebody said to me, when I took a phone call in the suite, are you working? It's like, <clears throat> how do you think I paid for your tickets in the suite? Now I can say that because my mother-in-law, she won't listen to your podcast. She will now. Because she, she can't get on the internet. Can't get, she can't get on the internet. But I mean, so, I mean, fair enough. I mean, there was, so I had to learn it the hard way. So uh, when I started out, I was, I was one, one dimension. It was work all the time. And we had kids and I came home and my son was about six. And he said, hey, mom, dad came home to visit. So that was my first wake up call. It's like, oh crap, I'm doing what my grandfather did. All work, no play. And so um, then I had my health deteriorate because I was working crazy hours, scaling the business. And so I went, no, stop, pause. And we just start taking time off, 
hitting the gym, making it a priority, um, spending time with my family. Um, so now, you know, I work home-based. I've always worked home-based, uh, even though I've had, you know, at times I've had an office. Um, my grandkids come over. If it's not podcasting day, I go out in the backyard and kick the soccer ball around with them because I don't know how long they're going to be around. I'm going to be around, but I'll take advantage of that. So, but it's still a fight because I love what I do. So I don't consider it work. And I know that a lot of people around me hate what they do, which drives me crazy. It's like, quit, do something else. But um, so I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. So I have to often think about, you know, getting over the guilty feeling. Oh, I'm on vacation. I should be doing this. Like, no, relax. I'm allowed to relax. Relaxing is okay. Relaxing is good. It's okay to spend time with my wife and my kids and my grandkids and not go to the office or not answer my phone. It is. I mean, I, I was I was ill for for many years, and the biggest lesson I learned was learn to slow down to improve things. And it was a counter. It was a complete counterintuitive process because you know, owning your own business is so much joy, but so much frigging stress at the same time. But it's but it's and it's you know, it takes a type of person to do that, and but they have to learn that sometimes slowing down create more impact yeah like having some thinking time instead of racing putting a fire out fire out like i said to somebody once i got healthy because i got sick i got double pneumonia i was in bed for three months couldn't leave the house um and so i said to someone so if you bought a ferrari would you pour crap in the gas tank they went no i said then why do we do that with our bodies why do we eat the wrong foods not get enough sleep so now 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 i work less hours so uh, my goal every day is to get at least eight hours sleep and I use a tracking app, analytics, right? So, um, and I go to the gym uh, minimum three times a week because it's in my calendar. So unless I'm dead or there's a family emergency, Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, I'm going to the gym. Regardless of client calls, meetings, I'm just there. Because as the entrepreneur and the vision and the energy for your business, um, if you're not healthy and your mind's not healthy and your body's not healthy, um, you're just, you're doomed at some point to, to crash. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like the thing, you know, there's there's two things that, are, well, two key things that I teach is number one, protect the asset. That's you. Mm, yeah, that's right. You know, because yeah. the, you never underestimate that your business and your family, they're, they're going to be happier when you're in the best possible place because then you've got the energy to, you know, be with your family, look after your family and, and look after the business and everything else. Yeah. The other one is make sure that you've got great sleep health because there's a reason yeah. why they use it as a torture. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's people. People use this. You know, I've just worked. You know, twenty nine hours. You know, and it's like, oh, let's wear a badge of honor, and it's like, yeah, yeah. it's gonna bite in the ass, <laughs> really. Yeah. Is. yeah, and then the question is, how effective were you in those twenty eight hours? So I try to work in the modality that I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So when you think about your productivity, how much work can you get the day before you go on vacation? A lot. You can get a week's worth of work done in a day. So just, you know, yeah. It's amazing how much work you get done on those days. <laughs> You're focused, man. It's like, don't talk to me. I'm focused. Get out. Yeah, it's like ninja. That's yeah, what it is. Shurikens answering yeah, the phone. I have no time to talk to you. Get out of my office. <laughs> okay. So question number six, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? It's going to take longer than you think. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing is, um, listen more, talk less. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So when yeah, I was you come in bravado, don't you? Well, hey, that plus, plus, you know, I think of me trying to impress my grandfather, who was a super successful business guy. And what I noticed was the more I talked, the less information I got. 
So I would be in the office and he would introduce me to his business friends. And as soon as they figured out that I had a pretty good grasp of what they're talking about, they shared less information. So what I learned for the people that are my age was that Columbo was a pretty smart guy. So play a bit dumb, be quiet, maybe ask questions, but don't talk, just listen. And I would have learned a lot more. Yeah, my granddad always used to say, don't be worried about acting the, acting the idiot in the sense of don't be worried about being the silliest, the dumbest in the room. Yeah. Because as you say, is you can learn an awful lot through osmosis, just watching and listening to what people are saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, huge wisdom. Okay, um, question number seven, what is your personal definition of success? Um, I guess for me, it would be kind of like looking at the eulogy that I, you know, I love my family and my kids, um, that I, I cared for my friends that I, I gave to the community. Um, and, um, you know, the fact that I made money along the way is just, you know, you need, you need money to, to, to survive at some point. Right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, question number eight is, do you have any daily routines or rituals other than going down to the gym? Oh, look, technical glitch. It's just about to shut down my machine. There we are. That's sorted. Do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge positive impact to your day? Um, really, just for me, it, seriously, it's just, work, it's just working out um, is, is, is the biggest thing for me. I get up, I have breakfast every day. So every day, my wife and I have breakfast together. Um, it's a great way to start the day. Yeah, I love it. Okay, brilliant. The floor is yours, sir. Um, how do we find out more about you? You've mentioned a book as well. Okay, so this is where the episode just ended because of power cut. So this is my time to tell you how you can find out more about Doug Morneau. Um, you can go to his website, that's dougmorneau.com. There you'll find a blog, information about his book, information on his podcast, um, Real Marketing Real Fast, hashtag RMRF. Um, as you can tell by the episode, he's, he's a great guy, very, very knowledgeable, um, definitely someone to reach out and um, grab hold of his book. Um, I just want to take this final opportunity just to say, Doug, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It was a great fun, great blast. I also got loads of stuff from it. Not only I'm sure the listeners have as well, but um, thank you so much. And as always, even though this is not on the call, um, I do wish you the greatest success. Take care. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.